Everybody sing, everybody dance. Lose yourself in wild romance. We gonna party, karma, fiesta, forever. Come on and sing along. All night long, all night. 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 Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Yeah. Welcome, welcome at last to the 50th Ruthless Variety program. I will say that that might be the best intro we've done to date. I mean, Duncan, voice of an angel. I'm really excited about this episode. The, sensual, so nature, about this episode. the sensual nature of his own backup. Which well, is- when, this, when this was basically pitched by Holmes, he was like, you know, you go to like a 30th or like 40th you know, anniversary party and, you know, there's balloons around a dance floor with a strobe light. Guarantee this song's getting played. Absolutely. And this this is our 50th episode. It's like a very unofficial official celebration song because I never remember, you know, I'm, I'm that deep into like uh, the party at that point that I don't remember what the occasion is. But whenever you hear it, you know it's a great party. You hit the dance floor all night long. It's immediate conga line. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just like one of those that sort of like meanders slowly through. I mean, it, there's kicks to it. There's, I mean, there's a lot of energy behind that conga line. Yeah. No one stays in their chair when that drops. And no. I mean, honestly, that's, that's this episode. It is, first and foremost, it is a thank you to our wonderful listeners. We are at 50 episodes, 50 episodes. I mean, honestly, Smug, when we started this thing, I swear to you, I, I, I thought maybe we'd do like five or six and get to the election and high five each other and be like, hey, man, that was really fun. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden it kind of exploded. And then if anything, it got better. Like in the new year, all of a sudden people wanted to start to come on. Yeah. We started to have serious discussions in addition to the program. Uh, I mean, the guest list is serious. Like, I don't want to step on any toes or hurt any feelings, but I think right now uh, we are the number one podcast on earth, not just like on the conservative side. I think pound for pound, you do not get a better variety of information, news, entertainment, and high caliber guests than here. But, and more importantly, what throws weight? You know, like mm-hmm. you can talk all day to a bunch of people who are not, not really listening. The people are listening to this program yeah. are doing stuff. Exactly. And I mean, I, again, I will circle right back to that point as, as uh, our esteemed White House press secretary says. And it is all because of the listeners. Thank you so much to the minions. The support out there, like the numbers that, you know, these episodes keep putting up. It's because of that support that it's become just like a must 
you know, must visit stop. Yeah. I mean, what's it's super funny, Smug, and, and I'm not going to reveal the people who've invited us to come speak to their organizations, but it's, but it's funny. I mean, the people who would yeah, are listening right, right now would be, it'd be kind of blown away at the people who've done that. But <clears throat> the point is, is that they recognize that not only is this a, a, a program that gets to grassroots conservatives, it gets to everyone. Right. I mean, there Absolutely. are producers, they're listening, they're, the opposition is listening. All this stuff is happening. We're all having this community right here and we're having a lot of fun doing it. And we really appreciate more than you will ever imagine how much uh, uh, your support means. And that's why. So uh, when we set out to put together what we wanted in, in the 50th episode, Spectacular, we said, you know what, folks, this is going to be all candy, all rocket fuel, no spinach. We're not giving you any Brussels sprouts. You're not going to have to sit through and, and, and learn something or engage yourselves. No, nope. this is 100 percent the episode. All candy. You, you crack open a cup of beers, pour yourself a nice drink and just enjoy. We are here simply to entertain. <laughs> all night long. 100 percent. This is the pure entertainment episode. Top to finish. It's all, it's all frosting, like not even no cake, all frosting, man. So, so let's start Duncan with where we're at on the Foldy fundraiser. We'll all recall, uh, Foldy smugs, uh, what assistant assistant. Yeah. So, uh, and, and this is, uh, another great thing. Our producer and, uh, partners always remind us is you want to explain everything because so our listener, our audience has grown so much that it has gone beyond just folks on Twitter. So Matthew Foldy, uh, who is my personal assistant, uh, and he has put together uh, this this charitable effort that we mentioned on on the previous episode. So I met this gentleman about I want to say when did I meet Foldy? It's been a year, two years now. Uh, originally when he was at CLF, you know, esteemed super PAC, uh, he reached out to me and said he had a couple ideas, you know, how to, how to rouse the conservative base and, uh, you know, haven't looked back since. So basically he, he's the right hand for me personally, anything I need to get done. He helps accomplish. He's a tireless young man, uh, comes from a great family, but the one downside is this guy has. Uh, I can't, I mean, saying it's a mop of hair would be he's to do it. A, well, a he's a zoomer. He's a zoomer. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of these young fellows who doesn't think you have to look respectable at all. So he has this like shaggy hair that, I mean, it's just, it's just horrific. It's truly horrific. <laughs> I mean, like he's, th- a, he's, he's out of control. He, so he's simultaneously a whale of a guy. Yeah. Great, great, great guy. And, and that's that's also why I hate it so much. It's like, you know, when I see someone like that on the street, I'm like, there's one of those threatening hippies, you know, I've well, heard so, so we much made, about. So we made him an offer. We basically made him an offer. And we you, said, you made him an offer, Duncan. I yeah. did. Correct. I made him an offer. I feel like you've sandbagged the poor kid and he's going to no, get no, 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 The exact no, opposite he, is true. Hold on. Let opposite. me lay out the facts here. This is some fake news. So I, I was like, look, Foldy. You know, there's been some chatter on Twitter. People want you on the pod. We get it. We w- we'd like you to come on the pod too. Here are our stipulations. We'd like you to cut your hair um, for your own good. Uh, it's a disgusting mop, and um, I feel like it doesn't do you justice. Uh, you're a nice young man, and we'd like to have you cut your hair. 
number two, we'd like you to raise some money for charity. Um, and so, you know, we set up this GoFundMe page uh, that benefits Feeding America, great organization, great cause. Um, and I told Foldy, I was like, Foldy, yeah, no, I mean, like, look, you if you raise $5,000, you can come on the pod, you get your hair cut, and we raise, you know, good money for a good charity. And he's like, you know what? Make it 10. <laughs> Dude. He, he, he said that. He did. He did. He did. He had a lot of faith. And right now, uh, you know, we, we, we plugged it on the pod on, on Thursday uh, when it launched. It's, it's almost to, to $5,000 right now. But the goal is 10. That's impressive, though. He set I mean, the goal. I, I want to say this. Oh, wait, we, we tiered it. We tiered it. Correct. We tiered it. So so 5K, he still gets on the pod. The only difference is I cut his hair rather than a professional. So uh, the, the whole stipulation was for Foldy to get on the pod, he has to hit these benchmarks, 5000 or $10,000. But the stipulation is that 5000 Holmes cuts his hair, <laughs> right? So At 10000 he cuts his hair. He and five thousand he gets on the show. Ten thousand he gets on the show. Ten thousand his hair is cut by you know a, a professional with with Foldy's interest in mind. At five thousand it's Holmes cutting the hair with just like the audience's entertainment in mind. Well, know? and we gave him a week, right? We gave him yeah. a week. So technically, you know, this thing's cut off Thursday at midnight. And I want to also stress, you know, for the folks who think absolutely just like keep it at 5,000, don't give more. The charity in question is feeding America. They support uh, food pantries across this country right now. I don't need to tell you folks, a lot of, a lot of Americans have lost their job. A lot of good people are struggling. Uh, a lot of folks for the first time in their life right now, uh, I'm seeing statistics. I just checked the other day. The majority of folks visiting food pantries are looking for assistance for the first time. That's how bad things have gotten. Um, and Feeding America does a wonderful job. The, their uh, rating, uh, you know, if you look at uh, Charity Navigator, all of that is absolutely stellar. And for every dollar, they provide 10 meals. So uh, I, I checked just now, Foldy's at $4,920 raised. Wow, really? He's 80 yeah. bucks away from, from making it on the pod. 5, so, I mean, we're talking about that is uh, 49,200 meals are already going to be provided Man, to that's Americans incredible. in need, which is such a wonderful thing to begin with. That which is, is why I, I want to get him to 10. Listen, man, thank you, Foldy, for doing it. Thank you, Smug and, and Duncan, for your recommendations on the specific charity. We're going to do more of this for different charities, but this one is particularly an important one because of all the reasons that Smug talked about. But, but man, I, I'll be honest with you. You want to cut it. You want to cut it. Yeah, right. You jerk. <laughs> it's tough when you set it up as a tier like this. I got to cut it. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I want to vote if we can get the minions to weigh in on this. Right now I'm stuck between like a, <laughs> a, 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 like a really severe mullet, like a very severe mullet, probably yeah. with like, highway lines on the side of the head see that's the thing is that the problem with these youngsters yeah. is they probably think that's neat you know they probably i don't think know man cool. i mean this is i'm not my intention is not to make it neat but but the second one which i know will not be neat to the youngsters is i'd like to just maybe maybe just cut male pattern baldness into the top of his head would that be something you know just do do like the full horseshoe on the top like leave the sides and back like trim it up maybe <laughs> 
You know what? You know, my suggestion is you get clippers and you put like a number three or a number four on there and just his entire head, absolute even cut, absolutely level all over front to back. So it's like carpet sitting on his head. Pet. There's no layering. Exactly. It's like a Chia pet, man. Or you could do, you could do like absolute a Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas from he would look. Dumber. It would look so terrible. Like a bowl cut. Looks, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. These are good ideas. So so we could do the Chia Pet straight across yeah. all same layer. All sides, all sides. Yeah, because clippers, like if you, like if a you look guard. at the photo of this guy, I mean, his hair is like, it's like a foot long anywhere on his head. So you just go for like a number four clipper, completely even all over. Zero layering. <laughs> I mean, the problem- no side, you know, no sideburns or anything. It's just like. One piece of carpet just sitting on his head, dude. I mean, the ultimate indignity to that smug is that the, the man will walk out into public and think people meet he that he means it. Like it's not seating get punked. Like That's the thing. Be like, be like he's just an asshole. <laughs> like this isn't a joke. Like a mullet or something. Oh, he's trying to be clever. It's just like this guy's just an asshole. Punking <laughs> the Lloyd Christmas thing is also good. I think it would be good. I think it would be good. I I think it would be, you know, a good for a nice like Instagram post. You know, right? So we'll be sitting in a chair. We're taking votes. This is a good interaction. If you've got an idea, one of those ideas. If you got something else, put it out there. I'm partial to male pattern baldness. I but the humor in both the number four and the Lloyd Christmas, it, it speaks to me. I hope he doesn't have to do any of those. I hope we can get him to 10k. Okay, well, you're such a great guy, Dante. Well, I'm just, look, I'm just saying, it'll be in the show notes of this episode. It's on our website. It's on Twitter. Donate. All right, all right. The Holmes doesn't appreciate it. No, 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 it is what it is. It's great. So uh, the next piece that we're going to talk about is is obviously what's happening with the hack bracket. It has been, let me tell you, um, it's been an absolute shocker to me personally, the way that these brackets have turned out, like uh, I've said many a time, uh, you know, Dowd has been on a tear over the past month with his takes. He's already gone. My bracket is busted in so many ways. Who thought Rupar would get so hot during the tourney so hot. that the Chinese Communist Party would cite him? You never know. Hack Madness, folks, is just that much. So again, to step back and explain. So Hack Madness... We have uh, 66, 64 after the playing games, liberal hacks in a March Madness style tournament. Uh, you've got folks like Brian Stelter. You've got Fredo, a.k.a. Chris Cuomo. Uh, there are four separate uh, divisions, and all of them are voted on Twitter. Hashtag hack madness. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag. Ha- so, so we're now at the Elite Eight. And... For those of you not on Twitter, let me reveal the Elite Eight. There, there are four brackets. The establishment bracket out of Georgetown. The matchup is Bill Crystal and Chris Cuomo. I mean, number, that is just like Clash of the Titans. Man. The number five seed and the number two seed. It's been it's been a wild bracket. Tubin knocked off the number one seed, Matt Dowd. Obviously, <laughs> masturbation has been a huge issue there. Yeah, huge that, issue. That, that people have gravitated towards. Uh, it's gotten him out of there. But, but you know, honestly, I think the smart money at this point 
is on Cuomo because of mm-hmm. all of the New York issues. But I'll be honest, if you've checked out Bill Crystal's, Crystal's Twitter feed, man. I mean, I'm convinced that Bill Crystal came out in favor of DC statehood simply to advance. I know. I've been dying that we haven't had. I think that's why he took out Maddow. I've been dying that we haven't had a King of the Hill for the last two weeks because it's two weeks straight. Yeah. Yeah. His Twitter has been just bonkers. Well, we just we hold this tournament so sacred. We don't want to like put our thumb on the scales. We we want to let the people's voice be heard. Uh, but it's it, the the run they have uh, been on is so, incredible. So the way to online bracket out of Brooklyn has Aaron Rupar against Chris Saliza, a four against a two. And that uh, so what's notable is Rupar just took out Taylor Lawrence. And again, we talk about getting hot at the right time. She peaked like just a little bit too early, mm-hmm. a little bit too early. Right before the tournament. Right before the tourney. So she got herself a one seed. But the thing is, is that seeds don't matter now. Seeds do not matter. It's, this, you know, we've got the lead eight. You have to win to advance. It doesn't matter what seed you are. And also she's blocked most of the voters. <laughs> that is a tough situation. That right. hurts her, That you know, way to hurt yourself. Right. She's blocked most of the. So the fake news bracket out of Atlanta is the defending champion, the potato himself, mm-hmm. Delta. Mm-hmm. And he's going up against, a, a, I think, a little bit of a surprise from some of us, Joy Reid, MSNBC, the three seed. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. is So for Reid to get here, she has taken out Glenn Kessler, who has just been an as at all times he's an absolute hack, but especially lately he's been out of control. She took him out. Uh, then she took out Chris Hayes, right, fellow NBC primetime anchor, and now she just took out Don Lemon. Reed is just like, I mean, I did not, I did not anticipate it. My bracket is busted in so many different ways. But I did not expect this. But the matchup against the potato himself, the defending champion, there's a reason Stelter's the number one seed, folks. Yeah, he can't be beat. He can't be beat. He's he's so tough. But here, but here's the thing: if he can be beat, the liberal activists division out of Seattle has Jen Rubin of the Washington Post against Anna Navarro of yeah. CNN. I mean, powerhouse. The cream rises to the top. These folks are ready to go. If you'd have asked me a couple weeks ago, Navarro as a three seed, I'd be like, no way, man. Paper Tiger, overrated. I mean, she she broke my bracket totally. But yeah. the fact that she's gone through like Max, like Max Boot, uh, like we're talking about some serious people. Schmidt. She'd be, Schmidt. She'd be, Schmidt. Like yeah. you look at the people in this bracket that have been left in, in their wake for this matchup. They're, they're, the liberal activist division was no joke. A lot of pent-up anxiety there. She has worked her way all the way to the Elite Eight. Listen, one of these people is going to be the champion. I just love Hack Madness. I can't, yeah. I, I don't want it to go away. I know it's, we're now within a matter of days when, so before it's over. When, Duncan, when, when, do, uh, when, when does the Elite Eight go live? Um, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow? Oh, amazing. So, so when, this, when this goes live, it'll be live. Excellent. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So that's excellent news. You can vote on that uh, today, I guess, and and get to the final four. And and we're <laughs> we're gonna keep putting together special programs around the final four and everything else. 
But candy is what you get today. Candy yeah. is what you get. Nonstop. So, so let's go to Hollywood Hen. Because a lot of people love the Hollywood Hen segment. And we'll see what we get. Hollywood Hen, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here for the 50th. This is really exciting. Well, we've got some positive feedback on your performance. <laughs> I'm so glad. And people enjoy the Hollywood segment and they really enjoy Hollywood Hen. And so we thought how best to celebrate here, but to give you an opportunity to give us a little update. And then, and then also uh, introduce a, a segment that we just introduced uh, today, which is to try to get questions from some of the minions. Yes. So give which us, the, will, give yes. us the Hollywood. So, okay, so I have a quick, a couple updates for you all um, and our listeners to put on everybody's radar. Um, one of the big stories that's been talked about a lot in the pop culture world has been Demi Lovato's new documentary, Dancing with the Devil. Yes. Um, it is a YouTube series. It's a four-part series. The first two episodes are already on YouTube, and the third one um, debuts today, and the fourth one is next week. Um, I've watched the first two already, and let me tell you, there are some eye-opening um, stories that Demi Lovato shares about her life. Um, oh, wait, hold really? On. Is this like standard Hollywood? Like, oh God, I got famous. Now I drink. Is it, or is it like? No, this horrific? is. This girl has been through a lot, and um, as our listeners may or may not know, she suffered a near fatal overdose in 2018. And um, Damn. The, first, the first two episodes were dealing a lot with that. And the doctors who treated her said she was about five to 10 minutes from death. Um, if, her assistant, if her assistant had not come in and called 911 when she did, Demi Lovato would not be here today. So I think wow. one of the things that was, I mean, interesting might be the wrong word, but one of the things that was eye-opening was just how bad her overdose was. You know, a lot of us are like, oh, a celebrity overdosed, they survived, that's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, but she overdosed on a combination of heroin and what she thinks to be fentanyl-laced oxycodone. Oh my and God. So, so, so in the documentary, she talks about all the physical and health ramifications that happened, which I had no idea. And I don't think a lot of people did unless they watched this documentary, but she suffered three strokes. She, she had a stroke? She suffered three strokes, multiple organ failure. Oh my God. Brain damage, um, pneumonia via asphyxiation. She had wow. a heart attack. And when she woke up in the hospital, she was legally blind. Um, so this is so this is not your standard deviation uh, celebrity OD. This is like Winehouse level. Addiction. This what, is what really, did she take? What did she take? It was a combination. So in the in the documentary, they call it um, aftermarket drugs. I don't aftermarket. know what that means, but <laughs> it was a combination. What she thinks was a combination of heroin and fentanyl laced oxycodone. Codone? I don't know how you pronounce wow. that. Um, wow. But wow. she's still, she, her vision is still impaired to this day. Really? So she's not able to drive. Um, and she says, even when she is like pouring herself a glass of water, sometimes she'll miss her, the glass because her, her peripheral vision and her up and down vision is still so, um, so off. So there was some, it's, it's a respect. It's a, it's a, I mean, you very... know what? Sometimes when I'm pouring myself a drink, I can start getting it all over the place too. <laughs> that part in the night. 
I just I just want to flag for our viewers that this is a lot of what Hollywood is talking about at the moment. And she's been all over the place. And watching this documentary, my mind was blown. I mean, you you think things are bad, but then when she talks about it, you're like, this is really, really bad. Well, so here, this is a con- controversial take I have on this. As you know, Hollywood Hen, I have a controversial take on this. But- yes. You know, my sense is when you're a young, and she was like a child actor, not actress, but yes. child singer, right? Yes, this is a good call. So for people who aren't as familiar with Demi Lovato, she um, she was one of the Disney Channel stars that kind of came of age with Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus. She had her own show. She did the Camp Rock um, movies on Disney, but then launched into her own real legitimate singing career. And the girl has pipes, like, Oh, Let's yeah. be clear. She is Christina Aguilera level pipes. It's not like she's some pop gums, pop gum singer. Like she is a very good singer, very talented. Yeah, no doubt about it. But as we've seen, like the very best of the best celebrities dating back to the beginning of celebrity, like the, the absolute, you know, James Dean of kind of celebrities, they all have this like fatal flaw, right? Where they just become... <laughs> you know, our depiction of rock stars. Like they're just yes. total drug addicts. They're sex addicts. They're all this thing. That's kind of how I like my stars. That is I, how I, I, it's, <laughs> it's controversial. I know. I know. I don't, I don't mean like, I don't want anything bad to happen. I don't want anything bad to happen. But like when I hear about all these people that go out to Hollywood and make it big and then they're like sitting around with their friends drinking tea, I'm like, come on, man. Liven yeah, it up I, a little. I, I don't really think you can make like, uh, music that'll last beyond your lifetime unless you're under the danger of like ODing at any minute. 100 like, like the story of how like uh, Fleetwood Mac recorded rumors, it's like an all-time binge. And they all hated each other and were cheating on each other. And then you get this album that's just like all-time great. I think that really is part of the recipe. But I think it's kind of art in general. Like you have to be a little bit tortured to be brilliant, right? And And like... These people that are squared away or like, oh, I method act and I, you know, go home at 430. I just don't believe it. Right. It's not you have to have something kind of crazy. So I hear the story about Demi Lovato. and I'm like, huh. She's kind of like an Amy Winehouse. Yeah, she is. And they hope that doesn't happen to her. But so so they made the point, um, you know, before her overdose in 2018, she had been sober for six years. She had gone to rehab before. And I think. 2011, 2012. And she was um, in rehab then for her cocktail was cocaine and Xanax. <laughs> and so one of, the party, questions, <laughs> one of the questions that they asked her was, how do you make this leap from cocaine and Xanax to heroin and crack and these other drugs that didn't talk about um, in the documentary that she discusses and one of the things that I thought was most interesting though is she and her former sober companion talk about how people who relapse almost always relapse to a harder level drug really yeah which I thought was just kind of a interesting tidbit I didn't know that yeah she was one of these uh, Mickey Mouse Club kids Uh, not Mickey Mouse Club but yeah she was on Disney Channel Camp Rock it was it was a little bit it was a little bit not of our time. We're kind of past that. <laughs> well, so here, so here's the deal. Like addiction's real. Addiction's terrible. You know, like you got to take all that stuff seriously. It's hard to di- differentiate 
addiction from just self-destructive behavior when it comes to a lot of these celebs because they just go completely over the top with it, right? So is this, is Lovato like an addict or is she just like a hardcore partier? So she said, okay, so (laughs) she- so she was she was sober for these six years, and she was also recovering from an eating disorder. So they talk about yeah. she talks about in her documentary that actually what led to her overdose in 2018 was that she had not gotten her eating disorder under control, and it was her eating disorder and the control that her former team put on her during these six years that then kind of led to her dabbling back into you know the substance abuse i'm just cracking up because that was the best take is like so 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 this lady who's like taking cocaine and 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 what what's the xanax Xanax. cocaine and xanax is she just like she's just like the party or does she have a problem (laughs) i didn't mean it like that i didn't know that she had an eating disorder i now i feel terrible Well, no, you were talking about her substance situation. I was, I yeah. was. Yeah, she, yeah. But she's no. clearly very. She's clearly got a lot going on. She's got I, a lot going on. But so this, this gets to your point, Holmes. This gets to the most controversial part of the documentary because now she came out and talked about how she is back to drinking and smoking pot in moderation. That's the most astounding part. That's the most astounding part of all of this. Is that that's a lesson learned? She said. She's had the eating disorder. She's been into rehab. She has OD'd. She had multiple strokes. She had a heart attack. She was legally blind when she woke up. She still can't pour water in a glass, but she can pour herself a beer. I mean, that is some epic shit that like you have like a triple stroke heart attack and you're partially blinded and you get out of the hospital and you're like, it's time to pour a drink. <laughs> I would like to say, I would like to say she has been very careful in disclosing that because she does not want to lead other people astray who might be dealing with substance abuse but her management scooter braun who also is justin bieber's manager also and ariana grande also manages demi lovato and he came out and said that demi knows that he does not agree with her take on covering his trail to be like hey guys i'm not going to take any responsibility i'm just going to take my cut of the art but like yeah. if she croaks, I'm going to stick with the political correctness is nobody can, can possibly you know, criticize me to me. That's part of it is like these Disney kids is like, what the hell are these parents thinking of all the places on earth to allow your child to, to, to go work or to, to live? Hollywood is probably last on my list. Oh yeah. Like what, what, what goes through a parent's mind? That's like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to take my child to Hollywood, which is like basically the gateway to hell. Has there ever been a child star that's made it out and you're like, oh, that's a well-adjusted human being? So I was thinking about this. You know, the only person I can think of, Candace Cameron. Oh yeah, she's great. Literally, and like semi the Olsen twins, but like Mm -hmm. Candace Cameron for sure was a child star who somehow beat the odds. But in fairness, what a wholesome show Full House was. True, that's a very, it might, that you know what, although Bob Saget is kind of dirty. All those guys that's were a, surprising a little bit dirty. Thing. You know what, I'd love to have Bob Saget on the program. Oh my gosh, I'll reach out. We'll yeah. see if we can make that happen. Okay, all right. Listen, that's a great update. Do we have any Spears stuff out there? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. So um, we do have a quick update on the Free Britney movement. Um, last week, um, Okay, well, I feel like I need to back up a little bit. 
for people who don't know, Britney Spears has, has a conservatorship in place in her life, which means she has people running her life. She has a conservator over her personal being, which means all of her day-to-day decisions um, is controlled by this woman, Jody Montgomery. And then she has, um, she has people in control of her financial and business decisions, which is split between her dad and a trust. So last week, she asked if Jody Montgomery, who's in charge of her personal conservatorship, could be put permanently in place because previously this woman had just been temporarily in place taking um, taking over for Britney's dad. Mm-hmm. So they her, through her lawyers, they asked that Jody Montgomery be in charge of her um, person conservatorship permanently to kick her dad, Jamie Spears, out of that role, um, oh. which is kind of interesting. But the very interesting part in her petition was that um, at the very end, there was a line that said, it does not, this change doesn't stop Brittany from ask from the right to petition for termination of her conservatorship in general. So, okay. So it's not, it's not overtaking her, right. her larger claim here. It's just trying to, it's trying to her edge situation. her, right. It's trying to, you can tell she's trying to edge her dad out. Yeah. And so it seems like this is the first step to edge her dad out of this side of her conservatorship. And then hopefully it seems like she's going to continue to petition for this thing to be ended at some point, terminated at some point. And to be clear, Hen, from your perspective, should this conservatorship end? So I support the Free Britney movement. There was one person made an interesting point in the documentary, though, that said we don't know what we don't know. And there has got to be something... I'm, there's got to be something in those files that the judge sees that we don't know about that has led them to rule to keep this in place for some reason. Yeah, and you're right, because it, out. just from the public now, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Right. Uh, but there's but there's consistent rulings over a series of years. So it's like, what are we missing? Right. And so but my whole thing is, OK, if you can if she can do a Vegas residency for X amount of years then it would seem to me that she would be able to, you know, she should be in control of her own life and her old, her own business. Now, if her dad and these other people are saying she's not mentally fit to be in charge of her own life, then it, then having her perform like a show monkey is like cruel and unusual punishment. Like the two things don't add up to me. Like if she can perform in Vegas, she can have her own life. If she can't have her own life, then no one should be putting her to perform in Vegas. Yeah, totally. That's right. Another See, here, child, another child singer, by the way. But I think right. that's the thing is I support the conservatorship here is like, okay, so of you do. what would end up with is she'd be shaving her head again, swinging golf clubs and windows. Listen, this way everyone stays safe. She drops a new album every couple of years. It's a win-win. Conservatorship. This somehow, is very on brand for smug because it's just like when he was defending wall street short, you know, short sellers. Of course, he's going to defend the conservative. Well, no, 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 no. It's it's it, but somehow he's conflated Britney Spears with Tiger's ex-wife with the golf club in the windows. Right. She didn't. I, I could have swore Britney Spears. No, it was I, the umbrella. It was the umbrella. the umbrella. Yeah. yeah, you were close. You were close. Are you? Um, a menace. And, and are you proud that I remember the umbrella? Yeah, I'm very proud you remember. That's great, Dunks. Although I'm not shocked. Duncan, I love it. Duncan stays on top of these things. He um, is. Shamelessly. So there's gonna be there's gonna be more to watch, but. 
I feel like we just all need a little more information. Obviously, the conservatorship saved her life in a lot of ways in the beginning. Does she still need it to the extent that it was put in place over a decade ago? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think she should be able to walk on the beach and not have to ask somebody to walk on the beach, in my opinion. But I just like, I would just like to know what's in those files that keeps this this thing cooking. Well, I know you're going to stay on it until we find out. And that's, that's a fantastic Brittany update. So what else do we got going on here? So also now for our 50th episode, um, we have asked people to submit some questions because everyone wants to get to know you all a little bit better. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yes. So we have a little bit of Q and a for you guys, if you're ready and up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about it, but not nearly as nervous as Smug is. Yeah. Smug. Are you ready to reveal some of yourself? Yeah. Let's hear this. Let's hear these questions. Okay. Uh, These were all submitted from our listeners. So we really want to thank everybody who submitted questions. We got tons of questions and um, we tried to get some of the top 10 that were, that were submitted. So here we go. Um, This might be for Holmes and Duncan. Um, How did you guys get into politics? Huh? Oh boy. Well, I mean, look, serious answer is I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. I went to school at Arizona State University and I wasn't a terribly good student. I wish I could tell you it was an academic decision to go there. I was the furthest thing from like a college Republican, but I went home and my dad, who was super into politics, suggested that I go out and intern in DC. And I landed on my internship, uh, moved in, you know, got ready to actually not, I hadn't even gone to my first day yet and 9-11 happened. Mm. And, um, you know, it kind of, it's, it's sort of trite, but it, it really changed everything for me in terms of, it gave me some purpose and some reason for uh, trying to get into public service and do a little bit of whatever I could to, you know, support the things that I believe in, the community that i grew up in and everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, long story short, that's basically how it started for me. Nice. Duncan. Um, I guess my first entry point to politics, I was volunteering on Mitch Daniels gubernatorial race in Indiana, uh, in 2004. Um, and I went to college and, you know, I double majored in journalism and political science, uh, moved out to DC um, and kind of got started working at uh, FreedomWorks, uh, you know, conservative grassroots nonprofit, um, you know, sort of in the nascent stages of the Tea Party movement. Um, you know, I think it was a powerhouse when you guys were, when you were working there, by the way. In my, well, I appreciate that. And Holmes knows better than most because uh, my job mo- most days was to make his, his life very difficult. Took it on the chin on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, driving emails and phone calls into the McConnell office, uh, you know, on everything, on Obamacare and everything else. So, um, you know, that was sort of my entry point into into politics. Uh, and then I went into uh, onto the consulting side. Um, you know, my background's more like digital advertising and, you know, I'm a digital consultant for political campaigns. And that's how I got hooked up with Holmes uh, during the 14 McConnell reelect. She didn't ask for your resume, Duncan. She just asked (laughs) me, you got into politics for crying out loud. (laughs) 
it's amazing you know and the rest is uh is history it is pretty interesting though i mean duncan does bring raise a good point i mean the, the reason that we're we initially got together and have now become such good friends and co-hosts of this program uh was because we were we were fighting each other i mean he was he was literally <laughs> trying to burn our house down and uh i recognized a lot of talent and what they were doing to us and we ultimately hired him on our campaign and it's uh i guess that's the a rest nice is fun history. fact yeah i guess the rest is history we still fight though i mean but we're just on the same team now yeah <laughs> and, yeah and you're wrong all the time now so that's the help <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well next question um actually i don't even think that i know the answer to this exactly but how did the three of you all meet i i think the first time um and smug correct me if i'm wrong but i think the first time we all met was at one of your happy hours and the reason why i really remember this is because it was the night before my wife went into labor with our oh, wow. son and we were at the bar and, and you're at the bar all night great we're at the bar all night <laughs> we were at the bar and it's just so good luckily you know, when I got home, um, my wife and I went to bed and then woke up and, huh, got to go to the hospital. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you know? uh, but I, what I remember about it most is um, Smug, I, I gave you a cocaine mitt shirt signed by McConnell and Amy McGrath had just gotten into the race. Wow. And, good times. Oh, was and, that the night that we totally dusted her up on the Kavanaugh thing? Absolutely crushed her on Kavanaugh. Yes. Absolutely yes. crushed her on Kavanaugh. And and another part I'll never forget in this is uh, Carl Holes from uh, the New York Times is on this panel with John King. And, um, uh, you know, he says, Carl says something like, you know, these McConnell guys, they're ruthless. And John King replies <laughs> and he goes, and and they're sarcastically funny, ruthless. And then they show this meme we had making fun of Amy McGrath uh, as like the golden retriever in front of the, the computer. Where it's like, I don't know what, what I'm doing. And I kind of feel like like in that moment, ruthless was born as, yeah. a, as an idea, you know, I kind of agree. I mean, that's a great boy. I forgot almost all of that, but that's totally true. I mean, of course, Smug and 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 I and, and Duncan all followed each other on Twitter. I mean, we knew each other virtually for years, right, Smug? Correct. Um, so uh, we, we were part of, I guess, the same right-wing, vast right-wing conspiracy that exists on Twitter uh, network of conservatives who, who talk and, and, you know, you can appreciate uh, the witty folks on there. So finally, I sent that invite when I was uh, hosting one of my off the records in D.C. And uh, I think, you know, it was perfect right from the start. Uh, we're all very similar dudes, uh, very much uh, the tongue in cheek conservative. You're not we're, we're not the type that's going to sit down and read you something from the Federalist Papers. I think we like our politics with a sense of humor. And I think that's the recipe we got going here. Yeah, yeah, totally. So how did you guys come up with the pod? Well, I mean, so 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 that was really sort of the genesis of of the idea um, was basically just like, you know, the humor between, you know, 
us in sort of the McConnell campaign, Smug, some other folks, where we like really felt like we could take some of that humor, you know, post um, campaign and sort of direct it, you know, beyond just the election, right? And so, you know, when we came up with with Ruthless, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> this is just so funny. It's like, you call your podcast Ruthless and you ro roll it out during a Supreme Court fight and the libs just like went crazy because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I mean, the best part about it is like we all agreed it was kind of like a uh, like a Rorschach test for DC culture, right? Like you call it ruthless, you roll it out during a Supreme Court fight, and then you just watch what happens. Everybody assigns you motives immediately, right? Yeah. And like the media matters of the world. And this is where you can tell like who's a, a left wing hack journalist and who's not is that like... It, all of a sudden when they're writing about ruthless, if they include a paragraph, like named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like we've never said that ever on this podcast. We've never, we've never even addressed the issue, but we rolled it out in a, in a Rorschach test to see how everybody would, would deal with it. Anybody who includes that in a story about us is automatically, you know, like a tool of media matters. Completely. Like that's what they do. Well, right? It's like a, they I mean, tell on themselves. Right. Look, and like, look, I, I think we knew we were going to get that reaction from some quarters of the liberal, you know, media, especially the very online people. But it's like, you know, these are the same people who sell prayer candles of RBG, who sing Muller <laughs> Christmas carols and make cartoons about Michael Avenatti. Like, I don't give a shit what they think. Right. OK, like, I don't care. I'm sorry. Like you people, it's easy to make fun of you. I'm sorry. Yeah. And making and, fun is what we're doing here. And and one thing, finally, for the record, on your point, Holmes, about they named the podcast after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they always um, focus on the logo, you know, the double stacked Ruthless or whatever, yeah. like it's Ruth, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's like, that was like an homage to Ruthless Records in Easy e, e. Is that Yes, something? Duncan. Yes. You know, like, like it was, it was NWA. Yeah, it's like the straight out of Compton logo was what we were going for there. Just to clear that up for everybody. That's great. That's some good intel as well. Um, the next question we have was we, we had from a lot of listeners. This was a very popular question. Why? Why do you all pronounce program as program? <laughs> this is actually a great question. I don't know how that happened. I can't I'm say it without laughing. I can tell I can tell you the answer to this. So. I've had one Ashbrook, our, our buddy and who works on the program with us. He and I have had a long standing inside joke about the affectation of, of like elitists, right? And how they pronounce seemingly obvious words <laughs> with some weird pronunciation, right? Like, like program. I mean, who nobody says program, but if you notice, there are a few people that are always very wealthy. Right. They're is, always, is that what it is? is it, they're it, always very detached from reality. And they like it's like a cocktail party circuit type thing. Right. Where they hilarious for and it, it, but there's it's not just program. Like I can't think of them in front like, of me. like theater instead it's of theater. theater. I mean, honestly, just listen to John Kerry. Just listen to him. Yeah. Like if you just listen to John Kerry for for 10 minutes, there will be seven or eight words that pop up that you're like, what? 
That's the, that's not how you pronounce that. Like I remember during his campaign in 2004, remember Genghis Khan? You know, you know what the tell is, is you ask people to describe what's the name of that exercise bike? The Peloton. <laughs> well, Peloton. Peloton. The Peloton. If they call it a Peloton, coastally. But <laughs> coastally. So, but, I mean, so the reason that I, I guess I just started doing it is just because it's, it's a hilarious, hilarious mockery of people who do it. And I feel like our entire program is a hilarious mockery of those people. I also, for me, it's kind of like, um, you guys ever seen like super troopers, you know, when yes. they do, they do this thing where they like, um, you know, when they're, when they're arresting someone or they're stopping somebody and trying to give them a ticket, instead of saying now they meow. say meow. I love that part. And so, <laughs> and, and so it's sort of a game they play where it's see how many times they can say meow instead of now. And so, you know, I mean, that's how program is to me is like, you try to see if you can like wedge one into an episode. I've done a few, I've dropped a few in an interview. I did it um, with uh, representative Miller Meeks, uh, dropped, <laughs> dropped a couple programs just to like, you know, get it in there. I actually have a problem. So I, I was on Fox this weekend and I have a problem saying program. Ooh. Cause I like, it came Outstanding. up. I had to say program in the interview and I was like, program like i <laughs> tell like, i i screwed it up <laughs> oh my gosh that's worth it um okay that answers that our next question to keep this going is why do you all hate the west wing oh man go smug go so, so, i mean where to start with i think the the main thing to say is the difference between like broken brain brain worm libs who who love the West Wing, they thought it was serious. They saw it as like a drama when the show is actually a comedy. Like you're supposed to laugh at how stupid these people and their like attempts at policy and how they take themselves so seriously. You're supposed to laugh at that, right? It's like Sorkin's only comedy. But people people see it and they're like, wow, that's the kind of like like Libsy and they're like, that's the kind of president I'd want. It's like, no, like you're the takeaway is supposed to be this guy's a moron with a moron staff and you're supposed to laugh at these people. <laughs> And it's just, it's a perfect example of not only libs, but journos, right? Totally. Journos see this world and of politics entirely as a, as a theater production. Yep. yep. Entirely. Right. Yep. Where it's all just, it's about how you feel and how you express yourself and discuss the very important matters of feelings that we all feel about each other. And like, ultimately none of that shit matters at all. No, none of it. Right. Well, it's, because- it's, it's like they all think that uh, uh, creating this like facade is what's most important. Like they think the West Wing is an accurate depiction of politics when Veep was the most <laughs> accurate depiction I have ever seen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the problem with West Wing um, is that it's its view of how, you know, politics happens is that the Democrats who are obviously the right people who are in charge in that world, uh, they get everybody in a room and the Republicans come in there and, you know, they got, they're holding their heads down and they disagree and they're bad. And then the president makes this rousing speech and suddenly they're convinced and that's how policy gets done. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's this, it's this, this, same view that Obama, president Obama. No, that was just, I was yeah. just going to say that dude. So I've been in the room for this. Right. Yeah. So when I was McConnell's chief of staff, 
I've been in the room for this. I watched this happen. Obama literally thought he was Jed Bartlett. Yeah. Literally. Like he would, you would talk about negotiations over these big things that needed to happen. Like, you know, pretty consequential deals. And he would spend 15, 20 minutes giving you a speech as to why he's right. When in reality, like none of that shit matters at all. All you have to do is figure out what it is that the other side feels most strongly about what it is that you feel strongly about. And then, and then try to broker a deal. Like he couldn't do that. It was a Hollywood production for him. Right. That's why we hate West Wing. All right. I would like to say that Ainsley Hayes was a good character and I'm going to call her out as the one part of West Wing that I enjoyed, but otherwise agree with you all. Um, I'll just say Ainsley was a rhino and a traitor. But she had really pretty long blonde hair. That's a good point. I've had Josh Lyman show up in my Twitter timeline. He's been. Are you serious? Really? No, he was. He was. I I don't remember what it was. It was some like anti-Trump screed that he showed up with. But, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Also, lest we forget, I I take Rob Lowe, too. He was. Yeah. And he had some scandalous storylines on there. I just want to throw out that. I'll say this about Rob Lowe. He's an intriguing individual. I'd like to talk to Rob Lowe. Yeah. He's lived lived an absolutely fascinating totally right he was like in the thick of it in the 80s and oh, that's like oh yeah time to be in the thick of it oh yeah, yeah. The thick of it do you think he do you think he ever went to the viper room with like river phoenix oh 100 percent hell yes also to, to bring it full circle he tweeted demi lovato during her overdose and uh or when she broke her sobriety trying to encourage her to get back on on track it was actually really? sweet yeah nice um, he's like a good guy yeah he mm-hmm. does Okay. Um, next question. What is your favorite episode of Ruthless? Um, I'll go first. Um, without question, it's the Thanksgiving episode. That was a that was a good one. And and the reason for that is because we had zero preparation, like literally zero preparation. Smug, I think you were in Egypt. <laughs> I, That's. Right. I think you were in Egypt. Like basically what we did is have a cocktail and press record. And we recorded. (laughs) Under the craziest of circumstances. Now I completely remember. It was completely insane. I don't know how we got that episode done. I don't know either. But like, but like basically we just mocked what we imagined to be like the the conservative way of just handling your relatives and i just loved it it was amazing yeah that wow <laughs> i completely forgot that was a nightmare like the circumstances to record that episode were a nightmare but the, the result was complete magic yeah. wait wait that was when you had to go to like the the bomb safe room the, the bunker yeah because yeah, it was like some rager i think it was like a wedding in cairo that was so loud I yeah. kid you not. It's louder than any concert. I've been to a My Bloody Valentine concert. This was louder. That's insane. Um, <laughs> but because the Democrats were not in control, there was no threat of drone strikes. No wedding. There drone. you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what? What? Smog, you got a? You have a view? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Well, my memory is short, but uh, I, I want to say it's probably the Ted Cruz episode because I think that shows a couple things. Um, it was courage on Ted's part. It just shows his fearlessness. And I just encourage that completely uh, among the elected folks on our side and in conservatives in general. No matter what you do, the left is going to try to create a narrative to attack you. So you just got to be fearless and get your viewpoint out. 
and that's all you can do. And, and, and the folks who, you know, I'd say lesser, uh, lesser senators, lesser elected officials would have cowered were they in his situation. And he just came out and, and, and spoke his piece. Good for him. And it was a, it was a huge success. I mean, he, he was able to have self-deprecating sense of humor about the whole thing. And like, you know, by week's end, the whole camp, I mean, literally he, he, he was 48 hours removed from landing from Cancun. He shows up on ruthless. And then by the end of the week, you know, yesterday's news. Yeah. It's like they, they had a journo drive up to take photos of his dog. It's like, <laughs> that was a good episode. Dunks. What's yours? Um, probably January 5th, honestly. Ooh, like, that was my favorite. The one, the one we did before the certification, you know, the day before the certification of the presidential election, I think I probably had like five or six bourbons and just like went ham on Sidney Powell and Rudy and this, this dumb scheme to, um, you know, deny gravity and reality that they were going to certify this election. I thought it was a dumb idea then. And I think, you know, the last few months has proved out that it was stupid. Yeah, well, given the fact that that Sidney Powell's primary defense is that nobody could possibly have believed her, uh, I think that's a pretty good leg to stand on. Uh, I agree. I I mean, look, that was a great that was an important episode. I don't know if it's like my favorite episode. It's an important episode because. A, it was the truth. B, it showed when you're a listener to Ruthless, you're not going to get what's popular in conservative circles. You're going to get the truth. Right. It was not popular at the time for us to say what we were saying about that whole situation. In fact, we took we took a lot of shit for it, but it was the truth. And well, that's, and that's my that's my that's my serious one. It, I guess if you're going to ask me like my, my my the one I thought was the most fun, it's got to be Wall Street smug where we just made fun <laughs> of smug for defending all the short sellers and we defended Robin Hood. That episode was so much fun to record. I think we just pressed play. We were like, all right, let's go at it. Totally. That was good. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention the the Ruthless Radio Theater. That's right. The voting machines. Wow, that was great. Um, This next question that we have, I'm very interested to see what your answers are going to be. Who is your who who is your favorite lib or dem? Um, oh, can I go first on this? Yeah. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> you knew he's gonna say that. <laughs> I don't know if that technically counts. Just, just let him go. <laughs> just let him go. Um so mine is uh Rahm Emanuel. And the reason it's Rahm Emanuel is not because I agree with anything that Rahm Emanuel's ever done, but because he operates ruthlessly. He truly does. This is a guy who wields a knife. Everything that he's involved in, he cuts people up. He is incredibly aggressive. He plays to win. I guarantee you that his answer to the third question is he loathes losing more than anything else on the face of the planet. That's just the way this guy ticks. Mm -hmm. And Although I disagree entirely with almost everything that he's ever done, I respect the kind of way he goes about it. And so if I have to admire a Dem, that's probably him. Dunks. Um, 
Well, then I got to go the opposite of Holmes um, and go with Ryan Grimm. He's a reporter for The Intercept. Um, uh, I follow him. Yeah. He, he wrote a book recently called We've Got People, where he basically like charts the rise of, you know, left wing, you know, populist politics from like Jesse Jackson all the way to, you know, AOC. And um, he's just a very interesting guy. I think he's a good writer. Um, you know, like you were saying, Holmes, I mean, I don't agree with much of what he says politically. Um, and he actually has a chapter in that book where he just like shreds Rahm Emanuel <laughs> for basically like, you know, I mean, running a lot of moderates or centrists who could win in, in you know, purple districts um, and sort of how that undercut, you know, their political project because, you know, some of these, you know, more corporate Dems or, you know, neoliberal Dems, um, you know, took a lot of big money in the process. So I think he's really an interesting guy. Um, so that'd be my pick. Okay. And then last question to wrap up. Um, what tips would you give to young operatives getting started in politics? Oof. Well, Look, you got to understand that it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get to the point where you're um, reaping the rewards for, for everything that you're doing. And I always tell every young person, if you look at DC, there's a ton of really young people who are just out of college and then a fair amount of people who are, you know, old. There are not a lot of people that are like mid twenties to mid thirties. And the reason for that is because it's freaking tough. It's really hard. You get to a point where if you're really good at what you do, you're absolutely better than your boss at it, but you can't say it, right? You just have to keep grinding. You just have to keep working on it. And there's no real like mechanism for you to just do anything, but just hard work. You just completely try to do your job better than anybody else can do it, whatever that job may be. You don't have like illusions of grandeur. You don't try to be something you're not. You, you just go in and try to basically do your job better than everybody. And if you do that over a period of time, DC rewards you pretty quickly. Politics rewards you pretty quickly. It's a little bit like finance where Smug grew up, where you can get to the top of the hill pretty quickly, but you gotta, you have to endure some terrible stuff. I mean, and I don't mean terrible in the sense that it's like inhumane, although the work hours might be, it's just, it's, you think, you think that you've proved more than you have and it breaks most people. Yep. Mm -hmm. Most people go away. They can't take it. They want something that's more dignified. They want to go start a family. They want to, you know, do important things that DC is tough to afford or politics is tough to afford. And so you've got to, if you want to really make it in DC, if you really want to make it in politics, you have to take a longer view and put your head down and be willing to take 10 years of bullshit to show up on the other side. Mm -hmm. That's a good answer. I have to ask actually one last question that literally just came in in our DMs. Um, bourbon drink off between the three of you until oh. only one man is standing. Who would it be? Wow. Ooh. We, maybe we should do this. I think we really should do this. <laughs> I think we should. It's like, how do they think we record these episodes? I mean, <laughs> I got an old, I got an old man liver. I, I'll take my chances, Frank. Yeah. 
I mean, if we're drinking bourbon, I get to, um, I get to like really stellar levels. See, here's all the, I, I'd say it's like a problem for me is, uh, when I, when I'm truly like three sheets to the wind, I'm not like a loud drunk or a boisterous drunk, or I want to fight drunk. I'm yeah. an even more like relaxed. <laughs> You're funny as hell. Boomer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, you can't tell that I'm blackout but because I'll be sitting in a chair, just like having a great time. <laughs> Being like half a bottle of bourbon deep. A tremendous drunk. That's a headline. Yeah. Formidable drunk. I'm never the life of the party, but I just enjoy my time when I'm there. That's right. So, well, so I, guess that, I think this is a challenge, right? Yeah, this is TBD. Absolutely a challenge. Okay, so to be determined later. Okay. Right. Um, that's it for all the questions. Those are Listen, some good ones. You picked some good ones. I like yeah, it a lot. They submitted some really good questions. I hope everybody enjoyed. Hollywood hen, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Applause. Thank you so much. Okay. So that was, that was a great segment. Thank you so much, Hollywood hen. The one thing I forgot to mention, the big news in my opinion right now in Hollywood is movie theaters are back folks. News broke that, uh, this weekend, Godzilla versus King Kong made a hundred over a hundred million dollars. Globally, people are going back to the theaters it's happening, oh, those folks. Are the those are the box office receipts? Yeah, yeah. So the number, I, I want to say, these are ballpark numbers, folks. PolitiFact can check me. Uh, I think the number one film of 2020 was Wonder Woman, and that made something like 30, 35 million in the box office. I mean, it's a ghost town, you know? Like, you, there's a goddamn epidemic going around. You can't uh, exactly go to the movie theater. But now, thanks God to the uh, vaccine and such, folks are going back to the movies. Uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong opened internationally. It drops here on Wednesday, and I have my ticket because I could not be more excited to see a gigantic nuclear lizard fight a gigantic gorilla. <laughs> the, the complexity of Smug always befuddled. I love it. It's yeah. my favorite. It's a melange of interest, man. <laughs> it's my favorite. He can he can be an absolute... Well, you know what? I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to psychoanalyze. I'm the pro. Are you telling me you're not excited to see this? Like, I have, I have tickets opening... opening Not even opening night. I have the 5.30. I'm not even <laughs> waiting for dinner time, man. I got the 5.30 to go see a gorilla... And a lizard fight. It's in keeping with your boomer lifestyle that you're you're doing the Is early it? bird special. Oh yeah. I mean, I gotta be in bed by 10 30, man. That's all <laughs> if I'm gonna like see a film late at night. Are you crazy? I love it. In keeping with your boomer lifestyle, Duncan, you've plugged in your microphone and it's frozen your screen. <laughs> oh. Oh, it has. <laughs> um, but 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 like I I guess I just don't understand smug. Here's the thing. I'm not, no, I'm not into Godzilla and Dungeons and Dragons and all that, but, but, um, well, here's the thing. So, but, but I, like, I feel a Godzilla film, it doesn't matter your interest, your age, any of that. Godzilla appeals to people because it's just about like animals fighting, you know, like, yeah. uh, so, so I had, um, oh Christ, who asked me this? Um, I think it was like an Instagram question or something, but you ask, you ask a guy, this is a great drinking game. What animal unarmed, what animal do you think you could take in a fight? So one-on-one -on -one. and it's not like the animal is sleeping. So you can't like pounce on it. What's the top animal you think you could take? Dude, that's a great question. Because that's all this is, is like, I want to see a giant gorilla fight a gigantic fire breathing nuclear lizard. 
And I will, you know, I'll pay top dollar to see that. But like, I mean, if I were, if I were an eccentric billionaire, I wouldn't be trying to like, you know, go to the moon, like Elon and Bezos. I'd want, I'd honestly, I'd just want a zoo and just see like who, who wins, man, who wins, you know, gorilla, tiger, let's roll. I'd call over the squad. Let's see who gets it. Animals. That's your thing. I mean, here, uh, here, it's, it's nature. It's nature in action, right? You're, you're out in the, you know, Savannah, you've got lionesses and hyenas fighting and such. I want to know who wins the fights. And, and number one, that's, that was what I thought of is like, what animal do you think you could take unarmed? And I mean, not, wait, wait, again, is- you're not surprising it. It's head to head. The animal knows this is combat. It's a good, it's a good question, right? Because you don't have a gun. You don't have a bow. No, I, I want, that's right. I want to know the ground rules. If it's no. just me and the animal. I mean, I think it's fair to say like it's, it's outside. So like if you find a rock or something, you know, it's not like you have a, you have a bow or a gun. Well, the, existence or an axe. Of my, the existence of my thumb gives me an advantage to throw. Yeah. Yeah. You could throw. Okay. Okay. Because but that's but, the thing is people are like King Kong could take Godzilla because he's going to be able to throw shit and like, you know, make trees bats. It's, that's that's nature man that's how nature works so that's why this is just head to head what animal do you think it'd take if you're out in like you know your standard combat field well before but before i get to that which i think is an important question i mean animal to animal godzilla to king kong i mean you know you have like a good question about whether like monkeys a pack of monkey or hyenas can take mm-hmm. a lion yeah yeah see, i mean that's see that's straight up nature so uh i can't remember what it was someone tried making this meme it was on instagram of like this is this is me when i haven't eaten and it was some like lioness roaring a hyenas just like whatever man the actual interesting point is that out in nature is just mano y mano there were like five hyenas who didn't know if they should go and the lioness was like should i go that's how you know it's just like an even match, man. Because uh, me personally, when I saw that question, what animal I could take, I think I could take a horse. You think you... One on one, I could take a horse. That's bullshit. Absolutely. Bullshit. The thing, horses are so fragile. I don't believe that. Anyone who's ever dealt with horses, they're, number one, they're more expensive than a boat. They're the worst hobby to get into. They're bigger two, than shit, smug. I mean, they're sure they're huge, but the thing is, is that you can move out of their way. If you hit a horse, horse is toast, dude. They are not hardy animals. One hoof, one hoof. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, but that's the thing is like the majority of, 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 of these fights, like, like a tiger, 90, 99% of a tiger is that first strike. I, no, there's no way you're taking a horse. I don't believe I don't, Absolutely. Look, absolutely. Look, look, one I, one I, kick I to a horse's ribs. It's done, dude. Okay, okay, but if he knows you're coming, uh, it, but he doesn't. That's why humans have like you're gonna sneak up. That's on why him? we defeated just, the dinosaurs. We just, you, just you, you said this was mono y mono. No, you're, but like you know, you could you could throw a faint. You know, you like I look like I'm going for I'm, I'm looking see? like I'm going for a jab, but but you're gonna kid. just go up to an unsuspecting horse. But it's not unsuspecting. This is already a riled up horse. It, the horse knows it's me or him. No way. What what animal do you think you got, Duncan? I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not like ready. A, maybe like a wild pig. Maybe I could like kill a pig. I mean, come on, man. You know, but a horse? I don't know. I'm not ready for. Hold on. Let's. I mean, not, how's a pig fighting back? Let's not even discuss the pig. I want to go back to the horse. Smug, 
is going to run up to an unsuspecting horse and kick it in the ribs. In the which, ribs. Which is the way he wins. So easy, dude. Folks who've actually, folks, my non coastal elites who've been around horses, who've been on ranches, you know, those horses are soft, man. I would empty my bank account to watch Smug lift his leg high enough to kick a horse. <laughs> into if, it's, if it's my life, man, I kick that horse. That's the thing. So, like, this is not like cruel. This is, this is survival. It's, yeah, no, it's no, no, only no. one person walks out. This is we're not advocating violence against animals. We're talking about if it's me or the horse, man, I drop kick. But there's a difference. Look, 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 look. There's a difference between running in to a pen, you know, a gate and kicking a horse and then running out, then fighting a horse. You know, in the other argument, I open land, you're an open field. There's no jumping out. And then the horse is contained to the pen. See, my other argument is the other thing is that horses shockingly are very dumb animals, man. Like they are very easily fooled. I mean, like, uh, you know, for hundreds of years, mankind has put blinders on these goddamn things and had them pull carriages for us. These aren't the sharpest tools in the drawer. You throw a little faint in there, you kick him in the ribs and now he's done. You know, oh my god, <laughs> unbelievable! The sport of kings reduced to the it kick is. of the ribs. Yeah, let me tell you. Oh my god, well, okay. What what animal you got, Holmes? We got pig from Duncan. I mean, come on, man, really? I mean, you can do better than the pig. Duncan, I believe, could kill a, a, a more significant animal than a pig. Well, people have talked so people have talked about like like monkeys and stuff, and there's no way you can beat a monkey because monkey is no like they have like six times as like baboons. Yeah, monkeys will stuff. fuck you up, man. They will kill you. I mean, there's no chance you can win that fight. Nope. There was that case, uh, I think someone had a pet monkey or something like years ago, and the monkey like ate their face. They had to get recon I think the oh, first yeah. like uh surgical face transplant was because someone had their face eaten by their pet monkey. And, but beyond just like the biting monkeys, like you mentioned, they're like six times stronger than people, which is why, you know, King Kong's got something in his favor. And, and like, then you fight. hear people talk about like, you know, Hey, if a tiger or lion's coming at me, like if I just dropped nah, dude, they got you on the nose, like mm. that they would, go, that's nonsense. First of all, I'm not sure that even if you connected perfectly, you yeah. could stop them. But like I, I would say, ninety nine percent of the chance that they're gonna they're gonna take you out. What right? what owns is I I want to say this is like a month ago. The New York Post had this story. I think it was the New York Post somewhere in like Southeast Asia. This dude was on a, a motorcycle with his wife and and their kid riding home, and a goddamn like cheetah, like bounced <laughs> him and he took it one on one, dude. He took it. He took it. He, the wife and the he child were safe. He got off the bike. The, the, the cheetah, like he, he killed it, dude. No, he like choked up the cheetah. He killed it. I, he killed literally. I, he killed it, dude. I'm not sure that we, I, I want to see that video. I mean, I don't think he has a video, but like, if <laughs> that is I'm like, sure I, I'm not sure I believe all it. time, like, you know, men history of defending your child and wife while you're like motorcycling home. To kill a goddamn cheetah hand to hand. That's pretty I mean, look, it's a it's definitely a medal of honor. I will say, like, if I had to choose an animal, the largest animal that I could think of that I could take out on a one-to-one basis, if it was threatening me, like, look, I'm not interested in hurting animals. But if this animal 
was coming at me and threatening my family, I'm pretty sure I could take a donkey out. You think so? I mean, that's fair. I, you know what? I, I'd say a donkey is just, you know, lacking the confidence to take the horse. That's yeah, it's, it, it's, it's the same it's, animal. It's, it's, Honestly, donkeys are probably smarter than the horse, man. Horses you know, think their size, like, you know, yields the world. No. It is a, it is a self-esteemed issue horse is what a donkey is right they know that they know they're not going to take you out but they're but they're they'll if you get behind them they'll give you a big kick but you know you can stay in front of them i think you probably take that thing out uh you know what this is honestly why i love the show <laughs> like we can have uh ted cruz and mitch mcconnell on and then it's just like okay man one-on-one what animal <laughs> you're the animal who's it gonna be we have one more issue to cover. One more issue. Um, and this is an important one. Yeah. So the fake this, the, the fake news is real. Duncan, I need you on this one because you you're you're a, a connoisseur of fake news. Truly. And I've been a victim. And uh, you were kind of the first to call out the fake news of this weekend. And I thought uh, presented it in a way that was very easy to understand for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, basically um, Holmes is on Fox news Sunday with Chris Wallace and you know, they, 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 they say to, to Josh, you know, this Georgia uh, election reform bill will ban uh, water uh, at polling places. And, you know, Holmes basically is like, look, 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 that's that's not true. This bill does not ban, you know, people giving water to people in line at polling locations. It bans political operatives. You know, these are the sort of people who you walk up. You know, If you've ever voted before, you've probably seen one of these people and I have nothing against them. <clears throat> But, you know, they're standing there and they're trying to hand you a sample ballot from the state party, which tells you exactly how to vote or whatever. And, you know, basically they were, you know, using the ability to give you water or food or whatever as a loophole around an electioneering law. Right. So this Georgia bill bans political operatives from handing out water to, to voters who are in line of polling and food and candy right. and presents and everything else. And the point isn't, you know, that ultimately this is going to necessarily change their vote is that it, it's it's just it's electioneering it's not what we should allow around our polling locations and honestly it's annoying it's just straight up annoying if you're going there to vote you're going there to vote um and so you know holmes mentions this <clears throat> and lo and behold there's going to be a fact check from politifact and uh politifact puts up this piece and it's just absurd. I got to pull it up. You know, the writer of this fact check was first, she, she puts up what Holmes said. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and read what Holmes said. I've heard it a couple of times on this program that the idea that they've criminalized giving people bottles of water, they have not. What is in the statute, which is absolutely clear, is that they're preventing political organizations from giving people um, in line things, meals, water, what have you. Water is and should be provided at the polls for people who are standing in line. But that's the quote from Josh. Here's what she says. We have decided to fact check Holmes statement that the Georgia law doesn't criminalize giving voters bottles of water. 
And what's really important to realize here, folks, is it's a sleight of hand maneuver. It's semantics. She's not actually going to argue what Josh said, because what Josh said is airtight. 100% true. What she's going to do is erect a straw man and say what Holmes meant to say was that it's not illegal to give voters water, which, of course, what this statute does is it prevents political operatives from interfering with voters in line. And so what she does instead is argues to that straw man and it chooses to be willfully obtuse so she can get the outcome she wants. And the outcome that she wants is to say Josh was wrong, mostly false. It's, you know, honestly, it's like um, if, if Josh had said only the military should have nuclear missiles and then PolitiFact is like, this person claimed that no one should be allowed to have weapons. <laughs> It's an absolutely ridiculous joke that that these so-called fact checkers are pulling this. Like, uh, what's his name at the Washington Post? Infuriates me so much. But PolitiFact is really, yeah. yeah, But PolitiFact is really the worst defender of this, where they completely change the argument and what was said. Like the bill specifies the reasoning behind it, and like political operatives can't take, or else, hey, I could be walking up and down a line with a carton of cigarettes, you know, and be like, hey, oh, buddy. But the thing is, the thing is, it's all an inside job. Right. right? I mean, the, the thing that we have to understand as political operatives who've been a part of this world for a long time is that the media just pitches each other, right? And all of this is an attempt to preserve democratic talking points. Yep. Right. So for those of us who do our homework, like, you know, look, Fox News Sunday is an important show. Chris Wallace is an important guy. I do my homework when I show up at that show. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk in, you know, look, there are plenty, there are plenty of conservatives, I think are rightly concert, uh, critiqued by being unprepared for liberal arguments. I'm not fucking one of them, right? When I walk into a show like that, I called the governor of Georgia's office and I asked them explicitly, what is it that this law does? What, are the, what is the media missing? What is Joe Biden missing when he creates the talking point that says that you ban water at the polls? Why is that right or wrong? And they tell me, all right? And so I show up and I give the answer on that. But immediately the media has to preserve the talking point. So they pitch the PolitiFact. And PolitiFact has to ignore the answer and concoct a new rationale for explaining why it is that my answer was wrong. It, guys, this is a dangerous situation. Like, Trump's right. Right? I mean, Trump is right. This is, these people are the enemy of the people. The disinformation that like, uh, I mean, the absolute irony and hilarity is so many of these news organizations started their like disinformation, you know, reporter beat, but it's the media organizations that are pushing the disinformation. It is unimagined. Just imagine this was inverted, right? Imagine that the issue was gun control and a Fox News host said this bill bans guns. And a host on that or a guest on that show says, no, this bill doesn't ban guns. It bans a very specific gun. It bans the AR-15. Would PolitiFact say, mostly false, this bill bans guns? Of course not. 
Of course not. Of course not. Because that would lack all of the context around the piece of legislation. But that's essentially what they did to you, Holmes. That is. It is. But this is this is what our elected officials deal with. This is what the conservative movement deals with. Okay. So look, this this episode's all candy. Here's one piece of vegetable that we need to consume. All right? Nobody should give a fucking inch to this kind of bullshit. Not not an inch, okay? Like when they tell us that that up is down and down is up, and they tell us the sky is not blue, you don't capitulate. I watched I watched a number of people, number of Republicans when confronted with the question that I was asked on Sunday, say, well, I don't agree with that. I can tell you two things. One, they didn't read the statute. Two, they didn't take the time to try to defend their fellow conservative. Yep. Yep. We need to defend our principles. We need to defend our point of view Folks, they're coming for us in every possible way. Do not give an inch. Do not give an inch. And like I said, that's why that's why the the Ted Cruz episode is, is my favorite because he was fearless. If I could tell one thing to any conservative, any Republican right now in this moment, be fearless. Be fearless. We know our arguments are sound. We know we're right. We're dealing with this insanely just uh, not biased is beyond even crooked. Just this uh, cartel media that is just yeah. pushing. Like there was a story that CNN posted saying that why is Joe Biden so popular? It's because he has popular positions. It's like we are we are dealing with that. Yeah, that's, that's what we're dealing with. You have to be fearless. Speak your truth because we are on the right side of history. Yep. Yep. And look, it's going to take a while and it's going to take us sticking together and it's, it's going to take us not trying to divide us. You know, everybody's trying to talk about primaries. Look at the media. They're talking about primaries, Trump versus the GOP, like all these like separating events. Screw them. They're not going to define what we're doing here. Okay. I I love that. And that's, that's the whole idea. I think that we had is, is as we described in, in uh, Hollywood Hen segment, how we got to know each other. We come from a diverse background politically, uh, but that's why we exist is because right now in this moment, more than anything, our side needs unity. Look folks, uh, you know, you have the mainstream media, you have Hollywood, uh, you have the Biden administration all walking lockstep. Education. I- uh, all of music. them the teachers unions I mean, it's insane the, unions, the professors in every college i mean every, everything is against us and and the thing is that like pointing out their hypocrisy of how like biden's treatment is so much harsher than anything trump did uh at the border just pointing out the hypocrisy is not enough because the thing is that they don't care the media has carried their water this far you know the only thing that we can do is unite. We have to band together and we have to beat these people. Oh, smug. I love it. It's perfect way to sign us out of here in the 50th episode, man alive. We have enjoyed every single one of these moments with you folks. 
we hope that we've been able to lighten your day a little bit and and you know make things as fun as as we're having frankly yeah, 50 50 episodes 50 episodes here's here's to you know 500 more <laughs> yeah congratulations yes. to the whole team there's a lot of folks who work hard to make this happen uh you know holmes duncan mcdaniel hollywood hen everybody everybody who gets this yeah. here ashbrook moderate jeff you name it there's a there's a ton of people behind the scenes but i i will say i'm very very proud to be a part of this team and excited to see what tomorrow brings and and last last but not least and most of all to the listeners thank you so much our numbers are absolutely bananas uh we we get so many stories the stories i love so much is uh a guy who's at at the bar having a drink after work or or uh talking to a buddy it's like what are you know what are you listening to this situation in the news this happened this happened what are you doing you know what do we do? And they say, you know, I listen to this this podcast, Ruthless. The number of stories that I have gotten about that, because it's going to be us bringing in the folks who have been on the sidelines that we're going we're gonna to get back to power. And thank you so much to the loyal listeners for making that happen. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. Stay ruthless. We'll see you on Thursday.